Welcome to Stop Telling and Start Listening with David Cook. If you're frustrated with the way we are speaking or not speaking to each other, if you find yourself easily at odds in your conversations with people, this may be just the show for you. Listen in as David and his guests will help you elevate your communication skills and navigate the tensions present in many conversations today. Now, here is David Cook. All right, let's get started. This is Dave Cook, and uh, I am the host of Stop Telling and Start Listening. And as for those people who are new to the show, what we are focusing on is we are focusing on how we can improve and shift our listening behaviors to improve the way we communicate with others. Um, I'm a firm believer that um, most of the world's problems can be solved if we just took a time to learn from the people around us, understand their perspectives on things to the point where we build community, build connection, build trust, and have the opportunity to collaborate in solving and talking about problems in a constructive and healthy way. Now, unfortunately, my guest isn't one of those experts. Just kidding. Um, I have the, I, I love these segments, and I think for the people who have been listening to the show, this is going to be, um, I think, like the 23rd episode. It's like, Dave, everybody you have on is a friend. And my thought is, exactly, exactly. (laughs) I am connected to a lot of people. And the reason I'm connected to a lot of people is I find value in diverse, interesting relationships. And I seek them out. I embrace them. I love having them. And so I do have a lot of really interesting people and with, with powerful perspectives, powerful experiences, and I enjoy hanging out with them. So the same thing's true today is um, George Gillis and I are the masters of solving the world's problems over a cup of coffee. And we haven't done it. We haven't done it in a while. But the interesting thing is we just did it last week. And I was thinking, gee, George needs to be on the show. So that's what we're doing today is we're, we're welcoming my good friend, George Gillis, to the show. George, welcome. It is a pleasure to be here, Mr. Cook. And yes, you know, we, we need to have our, our face-to-face coffee meetings more often because we do solve the world's problems. That's right. Unfortunately, very few people witness it. This one this one's going to be for the record. And so we can actually prove that um, what we say we can deliver. <laughs> if, if our conversation can improve one person's life and take them from a 7.5 to an 8.2, then we, we made our contribution to humanity. That's it. Move the needle somewhere, right? Somewhere. That's right. So I didn't I didn't um, tell everybody uh, what makes you special. So I figured I'd leave that up to you, but you don't have all day. Um, just uh, tell me a little bit about, you know, tell the audience here a little bit about you and what you're doing and what excites you every day. All right. The quick the quick bio is this. I spent um, I'm, I'm a sales guy by design, by nature, which is when we first met why we got along so well. Um, I spent 17 years with Vector Marketing Corporation. Most people know the company because they sell Cutco knives. And I helped build that company up from six offices around Philadelphia to a couple hundred when I left in 94. Then I did some sales training and consulting in around the Philadelphia area in 98. Um, I decided to change careers big. I moved to Scottsdale, Arizona and got into massage therapy. Because if you're going to change, Dave, and you know, if you're going to change, change big. Go big or go home. So 86, the the business, the business sales got into massage therapy. 
Um, I did that as an entrance into integrative healthcare. A few years later, in 01 and 02, I discovered neurolinguistic programming, retired my practice, built a practice of NLP, helping people get past the blocks that hold them back so they could do more. Um, and that's what I was doing when we met, I believe. I don't think I was still doing massage when we met. No, when I met you, were the, you were the NLP guy. NLP guy, yeah. Um, and then uh, that, and most of my clients were salespeople and business owners and entrepreneurs. Um, so I had a private practice here in Scottsdale, which did really well. I loved it. And then in 2018, I had the opportunity to talk to uh, Keller Williams Real Estate and particularly their division called MAPS Coaching, M-A-P-S, Mega uh, Achievement Productivity Systems is what it stands for. And MAPS has a little subset out of 200-odd coaches that we have total. There's a, about a dozen of us, 15 of us, that specialize in mindset and performance coaching. So mm-hmm. I, I interviewed with them, um, was very, very impressed with the culture and the company and everything that KW stands for, and started with went through their training program, started coaching real estate agents in November of, got to get the decades right now, 2018, November of 2018. So uh, four and a half years now, and that's pretty much that pretty much takes up my time. I have a couple private clients that I still work with very selectively, but pretty much for 30, 35 calls a week, I'm coaching real estate agents. And I uh, just had a conversation with a guy today who's going through his training and we made the comment to him, as long as there's stress with realtors, we have a job. So I feel pretty <laughs> secure, pretty, pretty secure with where I am right now. Yeah. Yeah, if, if you're if you're in tension, there's hope, right? As long as I, as long as somebody has tension somewhere, I got a, I got an opportunity. That's right. That's right. Well, so you know the uh, it's been a while since I um, we talked about um, NLP neuro linguistic programming, which is something I'm only going to say once. I will do NLP from this point forward. Just letters, easier. <laughs> um, but when you talked about you know helping people um, get over the roadblocks and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and then you talked about maps, and you're helping real estate agents get through the roadblocks. Um, so you're, you're pretty much putting your, you're, you're wearing a different hat, but you're doing a lot of the same stuff. Yes, very much. And one, one of the things I tell my clients when they come on board, the first thing I tell them is I'm not a realtor. Um, but you know, sales, sales is sales. Mm -hmm. And, and the only, the only fundamental difference between my experience selling Cutco knives and a realtor today is this selling Cutco. I was in the house and out of the house in an hour. I had a sale or I didn't have it. Real estate agent sales cycle is longer. Mm-hmm. Fundamentally, the only other difference, when I sold a set of knives and a realtor sells a house, they have more numbers left of the decimal on their commission check than I ever got. <laughs> other than that, man, it's the same stuff. It's the same self-doubt that gets in here. People don't like me. People don't trust me. I don't want to call anybody. They're busy. I'm not worthy. It's it's it's, it's all the same stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I bring all my experience from vector marketing plus 20 years of, of NLP working with clients and just tweak it a little bit to put it into the models for Keller Williams and, and real estate sales. And it's yeah. a blast. I have fun. I never, it's I, it's like this conversation. We had a conversation for our viewers just prior to this a couple of times. Dave, what are we going to talk about? It's like we're sitting down having a cup of coffee. Let's just play it. It'll be organic. So I start yeah. every conversation with a blank piece of paper. And see where it goes. And it's the same thing with coaching. That's exactly right. And, and I love that because, you know, I've, I've a lot of times have said to, you know, my clients, you know, the people that I'm working with from a sales point of view, 
what's the script, what's the process, whatever. I said, no, let's do this real easy. As I show up and I'm the, I'm willing to be the dumbest guy in the room and have somebody fill in the sheet, the page for me. Tell me what I need to know. Tell me what I need to hear. Tell me what I need to understand so that I can be of service to you or give you what you're looking for. That's great. Yep. And, you know, but it's hard because we think as professionals, wherever we are, whether it's real estate or selling cars or goofing off on a podcast we believe that we're supposed to demonstrate that we know what we're doing and there's no way to demonstrate that you know what you're doing when it comes to listening because demonstrating that you know what you're doing is called i'm going to shut up and learn i'm going to shut up and learn and i'm going to listen so i can ask an intelligent question ah a nice follow-up ask an intelligent question And an intelligent question um, demonstrates, which is, you know, the one uh, very much a truism, an intelligent question shows that I know what I'm talking about because I know what you're talking about. You know, so you ask a great follow-up question. So, okay, he's keeping up with me. He understands. Mm -hmm. He gets me. He, whatever it is. And that's how you demonstrate what you know. I don't need to tell you about, you know, all the things that I know or what makes me great or what it is about my thing that makes it great. What I really want to do is I want to solve the problem before you. What is it? Tell me what it is so I can, that we can identify the path. And have you found, Dave, that, that oftentimes when you're sitting down with somebody and you're letting them talk, if you ask the right question, they already have the answer. Mm-hmm. Right. Sometimes they, you know, I would say they have the answer. Sometimes they are a little hesitant to like throw it out because they're mm-hmm. not sure, you mm-hmm. know, because I've had that conversation. People say, well, they really don't know what they want. Yes, they really do know what they want. They just don't know yet how to articulate it, but they know. And so that's the, ch- that's the challenge as a coach or a person in a sales relationship um, or even in a, you know, a, a, a argument is giving somebody a place for them to share what they know, know that they can get there mm-hmm. and know that you're truly interested in hearing what you need to know, hearing what they need, what they desire to share, giving them the time and the confidence to do it. What do you think is the biggest problem that, that, that or, or the biggest obstacle, I guess, that causes people to keep talking and not just shut up and listen with intention? <laughs> the biggest? Yeah, um, I, have, I have one in my mind. I'm just wondering. Kind of what well, I have, well, I'll show you the one that I, seems to be coming up more and more um, is dead space. Um, when people ask a question and there's a there's a gap in, you know, in, in five seconds seems like a minute, the person panics and then starts talking because they feel like the, the silence is is terrifying. So they just start going. And next thing that happens when they start going to fill in that space, they lose track of where they are and they just keep going. Just start spinning out of control. Right. That would be my one. But what you had one pop in well, your I head. Would, I, was, I was thinking, I just want to, if I, if I could, I just want to follow on, on that thought. There's a great expression in, in, in maps at Keller Williams. It says, let the silence do the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. You know, ask the question if it's really important. If the person has to go inside and check and think, give them the courtesy of silence so they can process the question. Because if it's a really good question, the answer is not going to be on the surface. Mm-hmm. The answer is going to come from someplace deeper. And if you start talking, you're depriving them of the opportunity to really dig inside and, and reflect. Essentially interrupting the process. Yeah, that's a good, that's a really good point. So what, 
from your point of point of view, you asked the question, but you said you teased me with uh, with your own answer. What what would be one of your things? What's the biggest? I, I think I think one of the biggest thing that gets in the way where where people ask a question without the intention of understanding, they're asking the question to ask the question. They're they're asking it out of ego a lot of times, mm-hmm. because oftentimes people will ask almost a gotcha question just so they can say I'm smarter than you or appear like I'm smarter than you. So mm-hmm. if you really want to communicate, put your freaking ego aside. And is it Covey? You'd probably know. Was it listen to? It's Covey. Is it first to understand? Is that what? L- listen, listen to, yeah. Freedom. First to understand, people, then to. Be- yeah, people listen to respond as opposed to listening to understand. Understand, right, yeah. right. Yeah, They're, and listening to respond is ego. Yeah. Very much so. Let me show you how smart I am. Yeah. And I hate, you know, I don't know about you, but you can always see that, you know, people who do that, they ask a question and they sit back, they kind of lean back and say, okay, I want to see how this guy's going to respond to it. It's like, if this is a contest, do you win? Because I'm I'm not going to play. Not going to play. Nope. I'm not going to play. So, you know, usually I just deflect. I don't know. What are you thinking? And let them go because they're not really interested in what I think anyway. They're interested. They're like, when do, when do I get to go? Well, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you, I'll skip my turn and you get to go again. You know, (laughs) because it's just. That's that's a great response. I I don't know. What are you thinking? What a fabulous response, man. That's perfect. I do that all the time. I'm I'm doing an episode on um, listening and intellectualism down the road. I haven't decided when I'm going to do it, but I had a a conversation with a guy that I've been breaking down because I had it like three three or four weeks ago, and I'm making notes of how the conversation flowed. And he would, we started out having kind of a healthy kind. He's a good friend. We had a healthy conversation for a while, but we got into a discussion, which for him, discussion was let's share what we know. Right. Which is his way of showing, let me take over the conversation with my brilliance. Yeah. And so he asked me a couple <laughs> of questions and I just kind of like I punted the ball. And he says, you know, he, the first question was, you know, he asked me and I and I, and I punted it. And he says, I would thought you would have known more. Oh, I, 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 I do know what I know, but I'm, there's a reason you asked me this question. So go ahead. Have at it. And it turned into a 15-minute explanation about why this was true as opposed to what we were going to talk about is let's talk about what we hypothesize of what's going on. So it was like, yeah, you won the argument because that's really what this was about. Knock yourself out. You know, it's disappointing, you know, in some respects because that wasn't why I entered into the conversation. That wasn't why I was with with my friend in the first place. I love – I enjoy listening to his brilliance. I really do. But when you take it over with that tone, it takes away some of the fun because it basically says you have to be as smart as me to play. And if you're not, then let me bring you up. And I and I'm offended because I don't I don't want to be as smart as you. I'm as smart as me. <laughs> and I'm and I'm okay and I'm okay with that. And and perhaps even smarter than him. You, you never know. That's right. Well, I'm smart like a fox or dumb like a fox, however you want to call it. But anyway, so. No, I, I wrote down, I don't know. What do you think? I, I love that, man. I'm, <laughs> that's my takeaway. I mean, right. We, we could end the podcast now and I got my value out of the whole thing. So that's, that was. Yeah, I know. But we got people who are going to listen to this and want more. We, we got to give them some more. Okay. Well, low hanging fruit is too easy, George. <laughs> you know, so um, I am curious, though. Yep. Um, you know, I tried to explain to a friend today at lunch what um, 
neuro-linguistic programming as I did it. I got it out twice. Um, and I told him essentially, and, and help me out, but I'm going to, I'm going to share with you my rough definition then you can put, you know, beautiful color around it and clean it up. But to me, um, my takeaway from neuro-linguistic programming is communication is um, it's, it's not just the words, it's intonation and energy and stuff like that. But what I took away from what I learned from you is you listen to the words that people choose in the context that they use them. And then, and then circle back to have them explain to you why, you know, why they say, said what they said, the way they said it. Is that, too simple, too complex. Off well, that's, track. A big, that's a big part of it. Yeah, there's you. You could ask a dozen different NLP practitioners and get a, def, a dozen different definitions. So I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you several several um, layers of insight. Neurolinguistic programming. If you take the three words each, neuro ref, uh, refers to the the. the See, now you can't. I, I got I you. Even, no, I can't say. I, it. I set stuck. you up. I love yeah. it. <laughs> I'm almost stuck. Neuro <laughs> refers to the neurology. Okay, your your nervous system. Which here is a fun concept. Your nervous system is much more than your brain and your spinal system. And there is there is a, a construct that's out there that basically says this: your nervous system is so dense. And if you think about this, every cell in your body is connected to your nervous system. Your nervous system is so dense that if we were to dip me into a solution that would dissolve everything but my neural network, my entire neural network, if dissolved flesh, bones, but everything but my nervous system, I would still be recognizable to you. Oh, wow. That's how dense the neural network is. So the neuro of neurolinguistic programming refers to that, not just the brain, but that. Linguistic is the language, okay? And it's the language of your mind, which means it's not just words, it's the words, it's smell. It's And, and we all know smell, you can be hit with a smell that'll instantly take you back to another place in time. Okay, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's primitive, it goes right to the limbic system. It's, it's a very primitive emotion, uh, primitive system. It's, it's sight, it's hearing, it's internal dialogue, it's, it's all the senses. That's the linguistic part of neuro-linguistic programming. And the programming, if you think in terms of a computer, programming is, is garbage in, garbage out. It's, it's the, it's the, the um, uh, what, what, what's it called on, on a computer? You got the, the it's the operating system mm. that, that's underneath. So think of it this way. You can have, um, all right, I'm running a PC here. Tempted to 86 and go with an Apple. But for right now, I've got a PC. So I could get a really good program and put it into the PC. Mm -hmm. And the program doesn't work. So I tried another, tried another. Well, might not be the program, might be the operating system. Right. So the programming part of neurolinguistic programming refers to what's the programming that's that's inside in your in your head. Oh. What is it that causes you to see an event outside and interpret it differently than somebody else might? You and I mm -hmm. could see something, we're both going to interpret it differently, give it different meanings. So neurolinguistic programming is the art and science of using the language of the mind to affect your neurology so you feel differently, think differently, get and take different actions and get different results. That's really mm -hmm. what it's all about. And there's multiple different tools and techniques that we can use specific to what a person wants. Where where are they? Where do they want to go? What's the gap? What's the proper tool that we might be able to use to move them forward? Mm -hmm. okay.
So some of it is modeling, you know, and look at somebody who's highly, highly successful, done all the time in sales. Come out and shadow me for a week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Internalize it, figure out what I do, take it, boom, and watch your watch your sales increase. So modeling in athletics all the time. So some that's a part of NLP. NLP mm-hmm. helped to make that very, very popular, or at least focused in on that to make it very popular. So there's there's lots of applications. Um in terms of the the words, uh, the, and you you talked about the content and the context. There, there's a great expression that I learned a long time ago when I started my training. There's no content in content worth knowing. Just let it all go by and listen for what you're listening for. Mm. No content in content worth knowing. Just let it all go by and listen for what you're listening for. So somebody might be complaining about something. What's the context? You know, it's the the little box mm. that they're talking about in business. Where else is this affecting you? Mm-hmm. What other aspects of your life are affected by that thought? Mm. What is it that's causing you outside to think about this now? I mean, I just had this conversation with a client today where he's, he's got he's got a new home builder that he's working with. And the guy so far has been a real sweetheart. But in the last couple of days, he, he's turned on him. He's become really aggressive. So probably something else going on in his life. It's got nothing to do with my relate my client's relationship with the builder. You know, so it's it's a holistic look at, at what's happening with a person mm-hmm. and the tools to maybe make some changes to move them where they want to go. It's interesting that you use that example because what, what triggered for me when you said that was um, one of the things that we talk about is that if you inject yourself into somebody else's story, you change the story. And I like the way you said that is, is that this guy's saying, yeah, I don't know what his deal is, but he's, and I don't know why. And the whole idea, well, you don't know why, there it is. I don't know why. So it's like, rather than draw a conclusion hypothesis as to why you think the why, if you really are curious, have a conversation with the guy and say, dude, something's changed in the dynamic between us. What's going on? You know, what else is going on? Because this wasn't you two weeks ago. Would that be something that you would encourage people to do? All day long. Okay. All day long. And there's, there's, I, I can give you six words that'll help with that. Okay. First, the first thing is you, you cannot change anything unless there's an awareness. Mm-hmm. We have to have an awareness. If we're not aware, nothing's going to change. You're going to say repeating the same old pattern. So if if you catch yourself getting defensive, like, like my client today, he, he was getting really defensive. He was, he was putting his blocks up and it's like, there's probably something else going on with the other guy. But when you're defensive, you're not looking at the other person's point of view. Mm-hmm. You're just trying to shield yourself from what's flying at you. So what can you say to yourself to notice that you're starting to slip? What can you say to yourself to catch it? It doesn't, mm-hmm. huh, whoa, hey, stop. What's going on? Something that you can use to recognize the fact that you are aware that you're starting to feel differently. Because mm-hmm. once you're aware, then you can do it. Mm-hmm. And the question is not, why are they doing this? Why are they thinking that? What the hell are you thinking? It's not questions like that. It's a question of, how does he do that? Ooh. How? Question the process. Don't judge the person. Why did you say that? Versus, what was it that caused you to make that decision? Oh, Okay. Questions the process. It questions the strategy, not the integrity of the individual. Yeah. Why are you doing that? How is it that you decided to take that action? Yeah. 
That's um, I know you had six words, but it just reminded me of um, one of my coaches that I had on the show long, probably one of my first guests is that she never asks why, but she asks questions that are essentially why questions, but are less confrontational or put people on the defensive. And that's what you just did. It's more like, okay, how do I, how do I go into learn mode? I want to know why, but I can't ask why. Right. I need to understand, you know, what what caused you to be what 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 just happened that caused you to be triggered, or what's going on that I need to know about, or what that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. How? What? Mm-hmm. Where were you when you made that decision? Who else could we involve in this? You know, when did that happen? Who? What? When? Where? Why? How? All the just mm-hmm. take out the why. Ask the mm-hmm. others. Yeah, because you can't ask. That. And after she did that, I was I've been working really hard. I still suck at it because every once in a while I just want to do the why. So obviously I'm lazy, but um, <laughs> um, either that I've been at this so long as I forgot that there's new paths to the same outcome. But um, okay, so those were your, you had two. You know, the first one was awareness. Second one was how do they do this? Yeah, right? that, that that's it. it did, okay. Why did I say three? I'm sorry. Well, you um, said yeah, six. Th- I had six well, words. Six words. Huh? How do they do that? Oh, there it is. Whoa, how do they do that? Something to stop it, comma, followed by how do, how do they do that? It's kind of like your poet thing. It's like, it is poet. A, yeah, it's, it, it is. it's a pause. It's a we pause and an like, observation. Okay, yeah, well, I, I threw something into my audience that I know about. Sorry, poet. Pause, observe, something and give thanks. Uh, what was Exam- the Examine and engage. Examine and engage, yeah. okay. Yeah. And then, and then, and then thanks, right? The T was thanks. thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Be grateful okay. that you caught it. Yeah. Thank yourself that you caught it. Right. Okay. So pause. So it's like, take a break. Right. Take a breath. Take a breath. Observe. See the, see what you're, see the, see the landscape. Look at the right. whole thing. Right. Question the strategy. Question how it's happening. Question what's going on. Mm-hmm. Not why the person is doing it. If you ask somebody why, especially if it gets heated, they are going to be defensive. They will argue for their limitations. They will argue for their position. Always. Mm -hmm. Not always. Almost always. Mm -hmm. And then you, then you said examine and. Yeah. All right. So, so in, in the instance of, of poet where, where it originally began um, was, was a shift that I experienced. And and the the question was um, we've got, I was just looking at the, at the, the, the meeting chat thing. Uh, oh, thanks for catching that. Yeah. We might have to talk about poet on the other side. Maybe. You know, I, I love having observing guests because I can't tell you how many times my guests call me to break um, before I call us to break. So anyway, <laughs> we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to finish the discussion about poet and then move on from there. Stay tuned. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. We are living in a time where a relentless commitment to opinions and beliefs are dividing communities and fracturing crucial relationships. Making ourselves right and those who disagree with us wrong leaves little room for engaging in a constructive learning dialogue. There is little opportunity to change minds, find common ground, or solve complex problems. Those who are not being heard or understood become angry, hurt, lost, isolated, alone, and more. While mental health-related issues are on the rise, 
Too few know how to safely share their struggles, and far too many don't know how to care about those that do. While it is increasingly frustrating to experience an increase in this communication divide, there is hope, and according to David Cook, there is an answer. The answer lies in how we adjust our communication style and shift our listening behaviors. In his radio show, Stop Telling and Start Listening, host David Cook introduces his audiences to the power found in creating a safe place for sharing life perspectives and experiences without judgment, criticism, correction, or shame. There are tremendous opportunities in learning to see the world from the eyes of another. Join David on Mondays at 11 Pacific. Discover how shifting your listening behaviors will close the divide that exists between you and others in your community. We all struggle with relationship tensions in the home or at work or with a loved one. Often that tension causes us to avoid communicating with that individual because it usually ends up in a fight or an argument that only makes things worse. In the show, Stop Telling and Start Listening, host David Cook shares the lessons of his personal experiences to help you engage in healthy, insightful conversations for healing broken or damaged relationships. After a successful professional career as a sales pro, executive, and consultant, David Cook discovered, in a significant, transformational way, the impact a shift in listening had on the father-son relationship during his youngest child's struggles with a heroin addiction. After loving his son with various reactive behaviors of shame, guilt, criticism, judgment, David discovered that when he made a commitment to understand his son's struggles, to learn about the addiction journey from his son's perspective and meet him where he was in his addiction, David realized he was rebuilding their relationship in powerful, influential ways. David's show, Stop Telling and Start Listening, provides listeners guidance and insight to the powers of listening, selfless listening. Instead of avoiding the people we are struggling to understand or communicate with, David provides listeners with tools they can utilize to facilitate an authentic, safe sharing of personal and real perspectives and experiences. He teaches us how to navigate into areas of communication tension to help repair broken or damaged relationships, build trust with those we need to lead or support, and solve complex problems with impactful, lasting solutions. Join David on Mondays at 11 Pacific for a listening session that will help close the divide that exists or is developing between you and others in your community. You're listening to Stop Telling and Start Listening. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Or you can email Dave at dave at thecookgroupllc.com. Now, back to the show with David. And we're back. This is David Cook with Stop Telling and Start Listening. And I'm with uh, George Gillis, my good friend. Um, before we went to break, before George took us to break, um, we were talking about poet and the origins of poet, which was pause, observe, examine, and give thanks. But George, you were you were in the middle of a story of how you how you came up with that and how you apply that going forward. So okay. let's let's continue. All right. Well, without without piece. going to the story of the origin, let's just go to to the technique. If you want okay. the story, give me the story too. Um, but but the technique very simply is. 
to if if here's where it's really valuable, Dave. If you find yourself going through your day and suddenly you start to go down into a slide, okay? Then the example that I put in the book is the, the classic example. You know, some somebody's in a in a relationship and everything, and they break up and everything. You think you're doing well, and then your song comes on the radio. <laughs> Boom! And the person's mood is in the pits. Okay, deal is going really well. Something goes south. All of a sudden, the one point two million dollar listing vanishes, and and the 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 agent's attitude goes down into the pits. Notice when you feel yourself sliding down. And the sooner you can catch it, the easier it is to dig yourself out because most people go all the way into the pits before they realize that they're that they're sad or mm-hmm. depressed or you know they just want to close, turn the phone off, go home, put on Netflix, and eat ice cream. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when you catch it, that's the pause. Something fast, something simple. Huh? Whoa. Hey, whatever it is that you can say to yourself, just to be aware that you're aware. Mm-hmm. The observe part is rather than talking about a third person. How do I do that? Because if you ask yourself, why is this happening now? Your mind is going to go back and say, oh, you want to know why it's happening now, Dave? I'll tell you, because this event is just like the 889 other events that are like it. Now, guess what? You got 890 of them. And link, 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 link. You just made the neurology more dense. So whatever question you ask yourself, your mind is going to go seek the answer. So if you say, how do I do this? It's such a confusing question that it'll put a pause on that slide down into the pits. The whole purpose of pause and observe is to create confusion. If, oh, interesting. If you're if you're an NLP fan, it's called a pattern interrupt. That's all it is. It's just a pattern ask. interrupt. I've learned way too much from you. <laughs> there it is. All right. Huh. How do I do this? Stops the slide. It creates a moment of confusion. And the confusion, which, by the way, if you want to ask really great, great questions or great questions, if I messed it up, if you want to ask really great questions, if the person you're asking looks confused, you nailed it. You asked the good question, as long as it's clear. You know, they were, they were clear in the question because that confusion is going to cause them to go inside. And confusion always precedes understanding. Always. Confusion always precedes understanding. So, huh, how do I do that? is a confusing question to you that'll cause to pause on the emotional slide. Mm-hmm. So the E of poet, examine and engage, is to ask questions that are based in resources and based in the future, not based in the past. Like, why is this always happening to me? The questions such like such as, um, what can I learn from this so that next time it happens, I can do better? Mm-hmm. What's the lesson here that I'm missing so next time I can avoid it altogether? Mm-hmm. Here's a good one. What can I learn from this so I can become the person I meant to be? Mm -hmm. All right. There's always a learning. One of my favorite quotes is from George Santayana. Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Mm -hmm. So learn, because whatever just happened, even if it was 30 seconds ago, is now in your past. Learn from the past so you don't repeat it. How do I do that? What can I learn from this? The next part of that is to let it go and let your unconscious mind work on the answer. Because if you sit there and think about it, you're you're putting the brakes on the biggest resource that your mind has. So let it go. If you're meant to get an immediate insight, your mind is going to give it to you. Most of the time, it's going to work subtly. Okay. So that's the E, examine and engage your brain so it can go find the answer. And the T 
of poet is to be thankful. Origin originally, it was gratitude. Mm. Awesome, poeg. salmon engage, gratitude. But po yeah, poeg made no sense. <laughs> so, That's right. I would never remember that. I could only yeah. remember poet. But yeah. yeah, I thought poet worked, you know? And and I, I just reverse engineered it from an event that happened with me. And I said, well, this is actually really good stuff. And wound up teaching it to my clients and, and wrote a book and did webinars and seminars on it. And it's been pretty successful stuff. People that is use it, it love it. Is that book still out there on it's Amazon? It's still out somewhere? on Amazon, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Have you have you sold a million copies yet? I, I have no idea because um, they, they keep on sending me checks, but I think it's going to the wrong bank account. And every time I try to fix it, it gets messed up. So <laughs> for, for the couple of pennies I get, I don't get It's also free on my website. If you want to go to my website, you can get it. You know, Where's your website? GeorgeGillis.com, G-I-L-L-A-S, GeorgeGillis.com. Go to NLP Tools. Map, just click on NLP tools at the top. It's password protected. The password is mindset, M-I-N-D-S-E-T, all lowercase, one word. All right, georgegillis.com. And there was it. NLP tools is the, is the tab. And then the password is mindset. There you lowercase. go. There you go. Right. So now if you want to learn more about Poet, there's a book out there. That's the free um, version. And I've read it. I read it years ago. Obviously, I must have gotten some about it because it, George triggered me into it. So there you go. You triggered yourself into it on that one. <laughs> Who knows what? No, sure. I, did, I did make a note here, though. You know, it's like if if you're listening to understand, those are the kind of questions that you're going to ask. How do they do that? Help mm -hmm. help me understand. And and if you want to avoid arguments, if you're listening to understand. You're not on the other side of the fence. You're walking across, you move, jump in the fence. You're putting your arm around this person. You say, let me, help me see the world through your eyes. Help me understand the world. You're using empathy. I think this is what triggered, actually, this is where it went to, tactical empathy. And I said, tactical oh, empathy, and yes. you lit up. There it is. It's all coming back. And tactical empathy is the thing from Chris Foss and Never Split the Difference. Using empathy in a tactical way to move the process forward. Yeah. Yeah, tactical empathy. I love that was. word. That's where it was. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to figure out the name of this episode. Now I remember listening and tactical. I wrote it down somewhere, but it doesn't, you know, notes don't do you any good if you don't know where they are. That's exactly what happened them. to me. I took notes, man. I couldn't find them. I don't know where I put them. <laughs> well, so, so um, make sure because we kind of interrupted ourselves here. Tactical empathy. What is tactical empathy again? Tac uh, well, yes. If you're interested in really understanding people, pick up this book, Chris Voss and Never Split the Difference. Chris Voss was the lead hostage negotiator for the FBI. Mm. And his technique and, and he he negotiates or negotiated, I should say, for human lives all around the world. Cross-culturally, these techniques work because they're based on human physiology and the way your brain actually works. He went to Harvard University. Um, and met with MBA students in that were in negotiation. So Harvard is like the pinnacle for teaching negotiation. He, he, he smoked the professors who were teaching the class mm -hmm. and all this stuff that this is what the F what there's a lot happening with the FBI right now. We'll take that, set that aside. When the FBI is operating in policing and doing what they're supposed to do, they're the best in the world in investigations. And these are the techniques that they use. So, um, a lot of what's in Never Split the Difference flies in the face, if you're a salesperson, of the things that we've learned over the years as sales. But it works because 
it moves the process forward. And I figure what I, what I tell my clients that when I talk to them about this, you negotiate for a few dollars. I might be tens of thousands of dollars, but still, it's just money. Boss negotiated for human lives. Mm-hmm. You know? So you don't get a bank robber. I've got 10 hostages. I'll tell you what, send out five, keep five, we'll call it a day. Mm-hmm. No, no. Got to get yeah. all 10. Yeah. 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 There you go. Yeah. So it's good stuff. When um, it was, you know, obviously you triggered me because I'm with the, with the nature of this question, but um, tactical empathy, um, empathy to me, you know, I, I hear empathy is is a noble thing. Tactical, when we get strategic, it can become manipulative. There we are using words we can't pronounce again. But um, so, how does how do you specifically? How do you be authentic in those moments oh, when you are? Is, oh, yeah, sure. Then explain it to me because, you know, we've all had these experiences. We're just all like, you know, uh, the intellectualist, right? Ask a question. You can see the game being played. You go like, there's the game that's being played. I'm not playing. So when we're in a tactical empathy situation with the word tactical, sets off alarm bells for me. There's a game being played. So how do we make sure that we don't experience the game? I'll give you one word. Go for it. Intention. All right. Intention. Okay. See, the word manipulate has bad connotations. People think manipulation is wrong. It's evil. Okay. If you dislocate your shoulder and you go to the ER, what are they going to do to put it back in its socket? They're going to manipulate it. Manipulate it. Okay. You go to a chiropractor, what are they doing? Manipulating. The difference is what's the intention behind the action? When Chris Voss is using tactical empathy and manipulating the bad guy, he's doing it to save lives. The intention is right. He's doing it so that SWAT doesn't put a 5.56 round through the bad guy's forehead. He's doing it to get everyone out alive. When you're doing it in a sales situation, as long as your intent is right and you're doing it to take care of what the client wants and what they need to move them forward in buying or selling their house, in my case, in real estate, where's the problem? All right. All right. It says, Dave, we know this, man. Look, think think about all the old, old school sales techniques. Con artists and sales guys use the same techniques in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Yes. Absolutely. The difference was intent. One was trying to con you. The other was trying to serve you. Right. One is out for me. The other one's out for yeah. Yeah. In exactly. theory. Of course, In we've theory. all had experience with lousy salespeople who are trying to get get you to, because that's the, that was kind of the idea, is get you to do something that you really aren't as interested or willing to do. Right. Um, you know, um, and that's there for me, that's a slippery slope because we could justify, you know, but if you're going in there saying somebody's looking for a house, they have an honest uh, they have an, uh, a, a very specific need and desire to move into a property. So yeah. your intention is to find them what they're looking for. Yeah. You're I not trying to negotiate the best price. Right. You're not, you're not trying to get me to sell my house, even though I don't want to sell it, or you're trying to get me to buy a house, even though I'm not willing to buy it. That's a different kind of intention. That's what you're saying is tactical empathy is how do I help you get what you're looking for? Seems like you're that's my hang of it. All right. Well, yeah. yeah, I'm highly sensitive. I wish you. <laughs> yeah, it's it, and but but I think you know what I, I think this is this is a really important point. 
because I'm, I'm guessing that some of the people that are going to listen to this are going to be salespeople. And I'm, I'll put this up on, on my page for, for my agents as well. So when, when you get it, you know, send it to me so I can link it up. Um, but it's intention it makes all the difference in the world. It's yeah. not manipulation. Manipulation. Here's the other part of it that comes right out of NLP. Words are meaningless unless they're in context. Ooh, say that again. Words are meaningless unless they're in context. What's the context of the manipulation? Yeah. That's powerful, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's why just listen for what you're listening. The, the, see, the, the difference when I'm working with a client is I'm not listening so much for their story. I don't really, not that I don't care about the story, but the story is meaningless. It's what, what's the common string connecting all these points in the story? Because mm-hmm. that's what we need to work on. Mm-hmm. That's what I need to investigate. That's what I need to ask about. Yeah, well, and you're right. And the, and the story is a bit of a narrative about what's going on, but we're bringing things from the past into that what's going on. Right. And what you're saying, okay, let's face forward. I hear you. But let's talk about where we are right now and where you want to go. Exactly. That's moving forward away from this narrative that they want to they want to spend time in. I, I, I've told people before, if you can figure out a way to turn the clock back and go back in time, you let me know. I, I'll call a couple friends. You would be one of them. We'll figure out a way to sell it. We'll have our own islands within a year, you know, because people pay a fortune for that. But and, until you can actually go back in time, let's focus on where we are and move forward. Right. Right. Yeah, past is past. Doesn't equal the future, like Tony Robbins says. What's that? Tony Robbins, the past doesn't equal was it the past doesn't equal the future. Oh. That's yeah. a that's a Robbinsism. That's a Rob well, who knows? Maybe he stole it from somewhere else, but <laughs> yeah. Well, once there's nothing close, new. There's nothing new. You know, there's nothing new out there. Really, poet isn't something new and brilliant. It's just your it's just your way of explaining it. Poet is something that happened to me. All I did was reverse engineer it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. It's yeah. true. So what's your biggest, what is your biggest challenge when you're coaching people? Not to want to reach across the screen and smack them. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody needs a wake up call now and then, right? <laughs> biggest challenge when I'm coaching people Um that's a great question. That's why I make the big money on this stuff, man. I, I guess there's a couple. One would be getting people, making sure that I can do what I can do to keep them to their word, the, that they're going to do what they say they're going to do. There's, there's this big thing in coaching about accountability. You know, the coach and then there's a theory out there that the coach is responsible for the client's success or failure. I don't I don't buy that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm with you. There's I'm with people for 30 minutes a week. There's 168 hours in a week. So between when I'm done with them and we pick up Zoom again, 167 hours and 30 minutes have transpired. It's up to you, brother. you know, but what I can do the following week is say, here's the list of the things that you said you were going to do. How's it going? How's it going? Did you do them? Right? Did you not? Well, you didn't do that. How do you feel about that? Yeah. 
Do you need more training? Do you need more education? Or what's going on? What caused you not to do that? Was it yeah. not? All right. And, and figure out. I said I was going to do ABC. I did A and B. Well, what happened to C? Yeah. And so that that's a challenge. Is, 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 and it's a challenge for me to to make sure that I'm doing my job to, to give them that that little that little nudge. Mm-hmm. The other the other big challenge I think sometimes is uh, although I'm I admittedly I'm good at it because I've been doing this for a long time, is getting people to feel comfortable enough to tell me the truth. And one of one of the things that I do for that, I mean, again, 20 years in private practice, man, some of the stuff that I've heard in private practice is, is scary what humans do to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things I tell my clients is uh, on a lot of our a lot of our coaches will have a, a, a virtual assistant online with them. And I never do that when mm-hmm. I'm with my client. It's it's them and it's me. Most and of our coaches record. It's, con- calls. it's confidential. It's absolutely confidential. A lot of our coaches record their calls. I will not record a call mm-hmm. unless there's permission. Um, and then notes go into the corporate CRM called we use Zoho for that. And I, I tell my clients, if if we get into personal stuff or we're doing NLP and we're going deep, then nothing's going to be reflected in the company. Mm-hmm. That stays here. I'm still old school, man. You'll laugh at me. Use files, paper files. Yeah. Whatever works. Whatever works. Because that way I know where my notes are. They're in a locked filing cabinet. Right. You know, so, I had a I had a um, therapist that I saw in, I don't know, 2000, 2001 for a couple of years. She never, she never took a note. Never. And I'd meet with her the next week and she would be reciting names and events and stuff like that. And I was just totally blown away. And she says, um, you know, I said, I don't know how you do it. She says, I just, uh, I, I internalize what you're saying because I don't want to take notes. I don't want to get in that situation where something that's confidential and private um, can show up. So it's, it's here. Good for her, man. Yeah. I was, I, and I, and what happened, like you said, though, was what's the most important thing. I knew I could tell her anything and I trusted her. Yep. In fact, I had, I trusted her to an entirely different level because back to the tactical empathy and being authentic, I knew that she was being authentic because you can't you can't pretend to listen and regurgitate the information you've been given. So I knew that she was listening. I knew she was dialed in and I knew she was vested. Right. right. And it, it's like, what's what happens to me then? I I trust her completely with everything. Everything. And, and then the advice that she gives me or the suggestion or the, the, the direction or the whatever. I trusted that, too. Because obviously she's good at what she does. Because she, if she's a good listener, <laughs> she must be a pretty good professional. Because very few people—that's her job—is to be a good listener. So, yeah, it's it's powerful. My guess is that she asked you some really, really good questions too. Oh, yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> you know, and well, but you know that that goes back to you know for me, I just kind of joke, and you know, I, I think I got this quote from a good friend of ours. Um, it might have been Goodman who said it: "The test of a man's brilliant is the level to which uh, he agrees with me." But, um, <laughs> but um, the one thing, but because of that, in some respects, that's true because the nature of her questions and the way she asked questions, um made me that you know because in my mind she's keeping up with me you know my own my own sense of who i am she's keeping up she's keeping track back what we talked about before at the very beginning right the great questions show that she's keeping up 
The great questions show that she has the experience. The great question shows that she has the depth. So she doesn't need to tell me how smart she is. She doesn't need to show me her damn diploma or give me her resume or anything else. All she has to be is who she is. Right. And I think that we that we do, we spend a lot of time trying to show people who we are instead of just being who we are, because being who we are is a whole hell of a lot easier. Yeah. And wouldn't it be wonderful if people figured that out before they hit like 50 years old? Yeah, I know. It's yeah. funny. That's a, that's a good point. It's something we discover later. And you're just like, yeah, I don't give a shit. I'm 60 years old. I don't care. Okay. <laughs> you know, that's imagine funny. if you did that when you were 25, you know? Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it comes, it comes, it comes. Unfortunately for most people, I think, it, well, I, I don't know if it's unfortunate. I'll take that back. I think it just as a fact, it, it comes with, it comes with age. It comes, that's, that's part of wisdom. That's part of being on the planet long enough. And it's it's also you know what else too, Dave? I think it's part of knowing, um, how do I put that? Knowing who you are, and and why you're here. Mm-hmm. You know what's? It, I, I just I did a, a, a um, one of our coaches went on vacation, so she asked me to do a, a one hour Zoom call today for her clients. Okay, and the the subject was complete the following sentence: My purpose in life is. Mm. Fill that one in, brother. All right, because uh, and you, I don't remember where this came. I don't know if it was Robert Schuler. Or I, don't, I don't remember what book it was out of. But years ago, um, I remember reading this, and it was when I was in a point of transition, and I, I, I picked up that gauntlet because the what the author wrote after that was really good. He said, "Complete the following sentence: My purpose in life is." And if you can answer that in thirty minutes or less, one of two things took place. You've either been thinking about it intently for a long, long period of time, or two, you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> Love so, it. I like this guy. So I picked up the gauntlet and I wrote it out. It took me weeks of rewriting and editing and editing and editing to finally come up with something in 1997. The only time I changed it was June 2018. I added the word coaching and I think I added or subtracted another word from one of the things. Wow. And it, it's become it's become my constitution and my guideline for making important decisions, because yeah. when you know you, everything else is everything else, and most people are too busy trying to be everything to everybody. Right, and that's or exhausting. We, or we want to like be like somebody, but you know that's possible. Like I can't be George Gillis. George is George. You are who you are. You're a byproduct of your personality, your experiences, your purpose, all that stuff. Um, I can't, I can't pick up and say, I meet George and say, I love what George is doing. I'm going to start doing what George is doing. I and I try, like him. Yeah. I want to be like him. Cause then what I'm doing is I'm, I'm, I'm not being like me. And I then down the road, I'll find this isn't working. The reason it isn't working. Cause you're not meant to be George. It's yeah. just that simple, but yeah, you're right. Um, I, it's funny cause I'm looking at the clock here, but, um, I was thinking I've always been a free spirited um, guy, you know that no. about me. <laughs> really? I thought you were the kind of guy that liked rules. <laughs> yeah, no. And I, and, I, and I and I always wanted this. I wanted to live my life. I didn't really have a plan or a purpose or a goal or anything like that. And I liked living my life like that. But the problem was, is people couldn't stand it because I was always running outside the boundaries. And running outside the boundaries was considered a violation of how you're supposed to live. And so I got shamed and guilted into, into finding structure. 
and which which is which in some respects is okay, Dave. Let's figure out who you are and where you're going. Which is what you're saying is you know right. What's your passion? What's your purpose? But I didn't get coached that way. It says you need to be more responsible. That has nothing to do with purpose. That means that's playing a game by somebody's rules. And so I spent, you know, quite honestly, and that's why we said, isn't it really, you know, interesting? It takes you to 50 to figure out. For me, that's what ended up happening. I finally had about 60. I go, you know what? Enough of this shit. <laughs> and, uh, yep. and, and it's very empowering. Yes, too it is. Bad, too bad I spent 40 years not doing that. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is, right? Maybe next time around, you know, if we reincarnate, you can bring those lessons with you. Well, either that or we find, well, either that we find that magic formula for going back and, I'll be the guinea pig. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I was thinking about that earlier. If if I if I could go back, I, there there are a couple of things I would have changed. But here's the here's the here's the big lesson. Watch your time really quick. I got go. it. Watch the movie The Butterfly Effect, the original yes. one with Ashton Kutcher. Now you think you want to go back in time. What if you did and you wound up getting T-boned? You know, yeah. you, you all you know is that it would be different. You can't guarantee it would be better. Or, you know, but here's the here's the mind bend to it. You won't even know that it's different because you'd be in that new reality anyway. Whoa. The butterfly effect. We're butterfly, gonna pick up from butterfly there. Effect. That George, George, thank you. Appreciate it, man. As my always, pleasure, good man. Stuff. This was fun. This good. was fun. For my audience, just remember every week, every time you have an opportunity, open your heart, open your ears, open your mind. Because the minute you start listening, everything changes. You guys have a great week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Stop Telling and Start Listening. We hope you've picked up on some useful ideas to help you enhance your conversational skills. Until we listen again, have a beautiful week.